today, Metatron and Asa Balrog jump into the God of War series. They go from the depths of Hades all the way to the top of Mount Olympus. The gods have abandoned Kratos. Will they find out today on Pop Culture Over Pizza? Followers of the Peacock, it is I, Metatron, and after a long hiatus and really questionable grading times, I have returned, and I am not alone. I am joined by the infamous Balrog from the Pits of Morgoth. What's poppin' purgers? ASAP Balrog. And today, from, well, we're gonna be starting off in my lofty abode atop the heavens, but today we'll be taking an adventure to... The Ruins of Olympus, because we will be talking about the new 2018 game, God of War. And to do this, we're first going to go through the archives, go through over all the games, step by step, briefly, so that we don't get carried away, and then we'll get into the meat of it. And then afterwards, we're going to try and see if we can, because me and Asap Balrog here, we're thinking of constructing a family tree, and... Believe you me, this is going to get complicated. But if you guys are the dedicated viewers I know you to be, you'll stick around. Alright, so here in my heavenly loft, the first piece of the archives we'll be reviewing is God of War Ascension. Which is actually, while it came out later than the first God of War, it is actually first in the timeline because of the events that transpire within it. And basically what happens here is that Kratos has not yet become a god yet, or even pursued Ares. What happens here is that um, right after he kills his family, because that's actually a thing that happens, what happens even before that, what happens is that um, Kratos is a very successful general or captain in the Spartan army. But when Sparta is invaded by foreign barbarians, what ends up happening is, although he's normally a good strategist, something takes a turn for the worse and something goes wrong. But at that point, what happens is he calls upon Ares, help me, I want to win. And Ares is like, okay, so what I'll do is I'll give you these really nice blades of chaos. Go kill people with it. And so he does that. He kills the barbarian king. But Ares is like, you know what? I don't think that's enough. I want you to be the best that you can be. Kratos basically sold his soul to Ares, right? Yes, by assuming the, the, the Blades of Chaos. And so, in attempting, quote-unquote, to make Kratos the better warrior, what he has him do is when he's invading a temple in Athens, he, he teleports his wife and child, who... Before that has been consistently going home to. That's why Ares is like, okay, this is getting annoying. Let's just do something about this. He teleports his wife. Do you remember what the wife's name was ASAP? I mean, I remember the daughter's name is Calliope. Let me, I gotta look up real quick what's... Lysandra. It was Lysandra. Yes, there you go. <laughs> so, Lysandra and Calliope are teleported... Yeah. They were teleported inside the temple... And then what happens is, I guess he was blinded by, like, the rage of war. He actually kills them, unknowingly. 
And then when he realizes what he's done, he delivers the famous Ares. God of war, destroy my enemies and my life is yours. <laughs> and so while still being bound to Ares, he's like, okay, you know what? I got to break out of this because I want to kill this guy. And so what happens is by trying to break the oath, he, this incites the wrath of the Furies. And they're basically, um, from the mythology, the Furies are a set of three. It's Electo, um, oh God. Electo, that's the queen of the Furies. And then Tisiphone, I believe, is another one. And then the last one is bada bing, bada boom, bada bing. The last one is. I think it's Aranes. Did you say Aranes? No, Metatron? I haven't. Shoot. No. Okay, so it's the Aranes. Megara. It was Megara. Yeah, the Furies. They were also known as Aran. The Aranes. The Uriines. Yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, these three find out that Kratos is trying to break their oaths, and they weren't going to have any, break his oath to Ares. They found out Kratos was going to try to break his oath to Ares. But since he made a blood pact with Ares, which is a very, very important type of pact in the God of War mythology, they weren't going to have any of that because they uphold oaths. And those who try to break oaths they take vengeance on they're like essentially they're like the first ghost riders of the greek mythology that's what it sounds like yeah so they fight him Ares takes one's arm off during the brawl but eventually they take him to hold their... up Matt, i don't mean to cut you off yeah. but basically the furies they're not necessarily loyal to Ares. They, no they just make sure that you uphold your oath Yes, that was before, actually, but we'll, we'll get to that. Okay. So, they take them to their prison in Aegean, and there's also, there's a backstory behind that, too. And this is kind of how the Furies started on their path for vengeance. So, during the Great War between the Titans and the Olympians, that would be Gaia, Perseus, Oceanus... Versus the Olympians, as you know, Hades, Poseidon, Zeus. In the Great War, Zeus enlisted the help of a Hecatonchires, or one of the hundred-handed ones. And his name is Aegeon. And Aegeon was got, got into a blood pact with Zeus, saying, Okay, well, if you help me beat the Titans, that'll be really awesome. But Aegeon decided, no, screw you, I don't want to fulfill my deal. So the Furies catching wind of this go to Zeus and say, hey, we can make this guy pay. Do you want us to make him pay? And then Zeus is like, yeah, let's set an example. And so basically what the Furies do is they turn Aegeon into their prison where they torture people who break their oaths. And this is like the standard for if you break, if you break a blood oath with a god, this is what's going to happen to you, <laughs> basically. And so Kratos is taken to Aegeon and he gets tortured to the point where he loses his memory of everything that's happened in the past week. Even the fact that he killed his wife and daughter. So what happens from here on throughout the game is that he's trying to find a way to remember. Because what the Furies have also done is they've, they've placed him in like this illusionary insanity loop. Where it's like, 
hey, your family is alive, but they're actually Oh, I remember dead. that meta. It was basically like the Furies, they, um, they somewhat brought Lysandra back to life. That Kratos yeah. was reunited with her. And, and then they'd rip that away and start torturing him. And the thing was, they, I think I remember one of them saying that you could stay here forever, be with your family again, like live a lie. And because it feels right, even though, you know, it's not the reality. Yeah. It's just, it's just a vision, like you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so basically, just to sum uh, God of War Ascension up, Kratos escapes Aegean, or stays in Aegean. He's just having a series of flashbacks that's leading up to Aegean. So, one of the places he travels to is Delphi, famous place of the Oracle. That's, Delphi, right? Yeah, Delphi. Another one of the things he does is he ooh, he visits the the giant statue to Apollo made by Archimedes, and basically what he tries to do there is he's trying to find something that'll help him break free of the illusions, because at that point this is before Aegean. It's it's very tiny, wimey, crazy stuff. He's remembering this stuff. He's trying to find a way to not be confused by these illusions so that he can just fight them and kill them but the illusions keep getting in the way so the reason why he's going to Archimedes statue is so that he can actually find something that can break him free of that up until the point where he finally gets all this stuff remembers most of everything and eventually he just kills the Furies because he finds out how to break free of the illusions and he's actually able to fight them and all this, mind you, he was actually aided by one of the Furies, whose name is Orcos. And Orcos, this is going to get into your question earlier, mm-hmm. is the product of Ares and Alecto. So Ares, the, the original god of war, and one of the Furies. Yes. Wow. And what they tried to do there was they tried to fulfill the prophecy of the marked one. So one of the three Furies is the spawn of another of the three Furies. Huh? Yes, exactly. Right, like mother and daughter type thing. Mother and son in this case. Well, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. And what they tried, the whole reason why they tried to do that is because Ares, even before the events of the first God of War game, he had been conspiring to overthrow Olympus. And so by having this child with Electo... He thought that their union would bring about the prophecy... Well, not bring about, but fulfill the prophecy in the marked one. Because the child of a fury, who are neither god nor monster, and the child of a god of war, the hybrid, they, they're thinking, this is going to be one powerful bitch. Yeah, basically. <laughs> but he wasn't. Ares got pissed, and he said, you know what, screw you. I don't care what they do with you. Hmm. But the furies were like, you know what? You are, you are our kid, so you know what? We'll give you a place among us. You know, I thought all the Furies were females, right? or yeah, I could but, be wrong. Yeah, they are, but Orcos, because he's the son of Alecto, is among the Furies. That's, so he's one of the three? He's, it's generally supposed to be three, but God of War modified it so that it's four. Okay, so three females, one male. Yes. Okay, I got you. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. And Orcos... <laughs> Gaining the only god or one of the only gods to show some humanity started helping Kratos because he was like, you know, once upon a time the Furies were harsh, but they were actually justice keepers. But once they got in alliance with Ares, they started getting even more vicious and more cruel, and it was just cruel without justice. 
I mean, I think from a certain point of view, Meta, they were just fulfilling their job description, so to speak, because like you said, their, their whole point of existence is to make sure that you're upholding the oath that you took, correct? Exactly. Right, but, so but... if Ares, you know, wants someone to be like his violent servant, loyally, loyal to him, and, you know, that, that someone rebels against him, it's no surprise the Furies would want to go violent, well, no, that's even the violent thing happened before Orcos, mm. because Orcos was born and they had that alliance with Ares, they just became more vicious overall. Where mm. once before they were dealing out judgment in diplomatically, yes, now they're just doing it to do it. They don't even care. They're just being cruel to be cruel. They've and Orcos this, didn't like that. They've been in this business for a long time, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and so Orcos was like, okay, you know what? Let me help this guy Kratos. Maybe he can help me out, take them out. So he pretty much betrayed his mother. Yes. Ooh. Practically. And All the backstabbing in these pantheons, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. ridiculous. And so when it's all said and done, Kratos did all this just so that he can get break free of his pact with Ares. But Orcos reveals at the very end that Electo foreseeing that this would happen, because what Electo's happens? Mom. Yeah, no, Electo is the mom of that's, Orcos. That's why. It's, yes. Yeah. Okay. So Electo foreseeing this, because Orcos's job among the Furies, each one has a job. Orcos's job is oath bearer. He actually holds and stores your oath within him. So what Electo did, I guess, in sort of like a spiteful attempt, he put Kratos' oath back in Orcos, which would force Kratos to kill Orcos. Ooh. So she, she was forcing... She was inadvertently or intentionally? And it was intentionally. So she was intentionally forcing Kratos to kill her son. What the heck, man? I know, it's messed up. And Kratos didn't even want to kill him. By that time, he saw him as like a friend. He was like pretty much a good guy, right? Yeah. But or then in the end, the show must go on. Right. And he killed Orcos. And now that his bond was technically freed, now he could go about setting his revenge. And rain wrath on... Yes. On what, Ares? Olympus itself. Eventually. But Ares... Starting with Ares, yeah. Yes. Because uh, Kratos, he didn't really want to wage war against Olympus yet. That was later on. He was still loyal mm -hmm. to, to Olympus. He was a servant of the Olympians. Mm -hmm. He wanted Ares. That was his primary target. Yes. Right? So. So now this brings us to Chains of Olympus, right? That's the next one. That is, yes. And that precedes the first God of War thing. Yes, that still <laughs> does. And then that one, I don't remember as clearly, but that one, that game features which which one? Let's see, let's see. In Chains of Olympus, I remember the Basilisk was in that game. It was a PSP game, by the way, guys. Chains of Olympus, as well as this other game called Ghost of Sparta, those were two God of War games that came out on the PSP. Ascension was a PS3 game, I believe. Yes. Metatron? It was PSP and PS3. P Say again? It was PSP and PS3. Ascension? Uh, Ascension was PSP, I think, but I'm, I was talking about Chains of Olympus. No, Ascension was PS3. That's what I'm saying. Ascension yeah. was a console game. Yes. Um, Freaking 
Chains of Olympus and Ghost of Sparta were PSP games. But it also got a remaster as PS3, Chains of Olympus. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And so basically what happens in this game is that it's now established that Kratos becomes the supernatural hitman for the Greek pantheon. Mm-hmm. And what basically happens in this game is that the sun god Helios goes missing. And this prompts one of the gods, Morpheus, to be like, hey, the sun is gone. Let me take over. And he basically puts all the gods to sleep. Kratos eventually defeats him, and he's like, okay, let's go find this Helios guy. They oh, find you out... mentioned Morpheus meta? Yeah, Morpheus. Mor- he's the dream god, right? Yes. God of dreams? Okay. He is. Okay. Because he took advantage of Helios being gone, because mm-hmm. the sun is blotted out. And so he's like, well, technically it's eternal night, and I am the dream god, so let's take advantage of this situation. Makes sense. Free real estate. <laughs> <laughs> and so... The world's gone into slumber, so why not, right? Yeah. Well, he made it go into slumber, because mm. there was no sun. And so, the next thing Kratos does is he journeys to the underworld... And he eventually finds Helios in the possession of the Titan Atlas, who has been freed somehow. And because what Atlas does is he holds up the sky in, um, in the underworld. That's yes. his job. So when he found out he was free, he's like, okay, who freed you? <laughs> and eventually it's revealed that the queen of the underworld, Persephone, is the one that freed Atlas. And in case you guys don't know, Persephone is the wife slash lover of Hades, the actual god. Yes. And she manages Elysium in the underworld? Yes. Yeah. She's like a yeah, she's like a, a general moderator. Yeah. She's holding it down for Hades. Yeah. But Persephone, I guess, had enough of it, and she basically plotted with Atlas to destroy the Pillar of Olympus, I believe it's called. I, or the pillar of the world. Yeah, I believe it was the pillar of the world. And not to get sidetracked, Meta, but what you mentioned about Atlas holding up the sky. Yeah. You brought this up at one point um, earlier that, well, not in this podcast, but when we were um, conversing earlier today, that the sky is Aranos, I believe that's what you yes, said? Yes, Oranos. Yes, who is, I believe, the original Titan? One of he, the original Titans, actually. Okay. Who was like mutilated and his body parts just fell. <laughs> yes. Kronos <laughs> was not... Pretty gory. Kronos was not uh, very good at dicing. He, he was very messy. <laughs> and so basically by cutting up Aranos, this prompted the sky to be like, okay, so I have no conhe- cohesion. Let's fall to Earth. But Zeus was like, okay, we can't have... This is later down the line, by the way. Okay. By the time the Titans were around the sky, they didn't give a shit. <laughs> but when Zeus came around, he's like, okay, you know what? This guy needs to be held up. Hey, let's have that guy Atlas hold it up. He just randomly selected Atlas? No, I think um, it was like a personal grudge or something. Like, if I, if I remember correctly, in God of War 2, he, he was one of the more wily titans. And he was basically defending Kronos to the last minute. Because okay. Hades was trying to rip his soul out, and Atlas was like, no, okay. Leaders in trouble. Help. But then Zeus was like, oh, so you're a fighter. You know what? Maybe you'll be strong enough to hold up the entire sky. <laughs> I could have swore it was like the entire earth or something like that. No, it was, it's it was the sky? In the general mythology, it's the sky. Okay, okay. Yeah. But, um, so yeah, Kratos, he went to, in Chains of Olympus, 
Kratos went to the River Styx, I believe, right? Didn't he fight that ferryman named Charon? Oh, yes, the famous ferryman. Yeah, I, it's really... By the time Guard of War 3 comes around, I'm not sure how the underworld is still open. And he, was, like, and he was seeing visions of Calliope, I believe, his daughter, right? Yeah, that's right. Because, I mean, you think about it, up to the point of God of War 3, the ferryman is dead. He's the guy that takes the souls to Hades. Thanatos is dead. How are people the, still dying? Exactly. <laughs> the, god of, the god of death is dead. How is the underworld still in operation with all of these key players in maintaining the, the population of the underworld? They're gone. I don't know if the Greek pantheon has some sort of purgatory as there is in you know Christianity. Like, where they go to, like, a lobby and just <laughs> wait for someone to accept them to, into either heaven or hell. Like, I don't know how that works. <laughs> I don't think they do. And I think lines got really backed up. But, whoa, major sidetrack. But anyway. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Kratos went to Tartarus, right? Kratos went to Tartarus in Chains of Olympus. Okay. I'm asking you, he did, I, right? I don't really quite... I don't think so. It doesn't say here that he did. But he did go to Elysium, definitely. Mm-hmm. Because Persephone was like, okay, Kratos is going to really mess up my plan. So let's change that. Hey, Kratos, give me your powers, and I'll let you live in Elysium. Sure, you're not a stand-up guy, but I don't want you interfering with my plans. Mm-hmm. And an extra little bit of nugget for that was that his daughter Calliope was there. Being that she was an innocent and all, he that further prompted him to do it. You know what he ended up doing? He did it. But Persephone was kind of, you know, Kratos realizing that Persephone was really screwing him over. Like, this is this is profitable, but he still realizes that she's screwing with him. Exactly. What he decides to do is you have that really, really heartbreaking point in the game where you have to push the daughter away. Yep, it was that, and I remember telling you about that. Um, yeah. It was like a quick con- um, context um, kind of thing yeah. where you had to like rapidly tap circle or square or whatever yep. to push Calliope away, and she keeps insisting on hugging you. Oh, and you gotta, so heartbreaking. And you, you, know, you got to go save the world and whatnot, get revenge on Ares, and eventually, you know. And then the next thing Kratos <laughs> does while still in Elysium because all his powers are gone. You know what he decides to do? He decides to kill all the innocent souls in Elysium. Who are already resting in peace. And gets his <laughs> power back. <laughs> like, I want guys, imagine uh, I'm an angel. I, I look over the souls that are in heaven. <laughs> if someone started killing souls that rightfully got to be there, I'd be like, what the hell? How are you even doing that? And not even that. Think from the soul's perspective. I lived a long, hard life. I tried to be as good as possible. Now I'm living the good life. Kratos says, screw that. I want your power. (laughs) Oh, my God. And as he kills them violently, he he gets the red orbs, you know, and whatnot. And he gets all that power, and he uses all that power, and kills Persephone just whole. And I believe I remember that um, Persephone, she was quite shocked that Kratos chose to do that instead of stay back with his daughter. Right? Yeah. But, you know, he did what he had to do. And then he killed her. He did. And that was it. And that would feed into the games later and on. And Atlas was still holding up the sky, I believe, right? Yeah, he, he put Atlas died. back in his prison. Right, right, right. 
And that, that basically concludes Chains of Olympus. Actually, not yet, Meta. Let's oh, no, it let's, let's not forget that he ended up back on the Suicide Bluffs, the highest peak um, that overlooks the Aegean Sea. Oh. Right? And, you know, that's what leads into that first scene in the first God of War game where we see Kratos, you know, step foot off the and cliff. Falling. To fall, you know, off the Suicide Bluffs because he doesn't want to live anymore. So I he see. dropped his... Shield the sun shield, I believe, from Helios. Yep. Right, and whatever other gear he had. So he basically stripped himself of all his weapons and gear and he just jumped off. Then yeah. as he fell into the water, um, what do you call this? He was lifted back up by, by Athena, Athena. Right? And yeah, she told him, like, no, you're not destined, you know, to die yet. <laughs> you know? It's funny, they really should have just let him die when he wanted to. Yeah, like <laughs> Oh, and that's another thing. Yeah, let him have that coup de grace, you know? Yeah. That's a, that's another thing too. Uh, in God of War three, there's so many things that tie into God of War three in this game. One of the things, like I told you, Persephone's death will play a role. Another thing that plays a role is Helios, because he actually mentions in God of War three that I didn't forget what you did for me when you were going after Atlas. Mm. Referring to Change of Olympus. Yes, and that's the only two things I can remember thus far. But that's pretty much Change of Olympus, right? Pretty much, yeah. So, yes. Yeah. Now we get to God of War 1. We're going to speed right through this. The very first God of War game came out in 2005. Opens with the death of the Hydra. That was a pretty awesome fight. Uh, actually, man, it opens up with what I just discussed at the end. Oh, of yes, yes, yes. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I meant like yeah, the first fight. Well, yeah, but he steps foot off the suicide bluffs into the Aegean Sea. He's lift up, you know, by Athena. No, you're not destined to die. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. He fights the Hydra. Yeah. That was a pretty fun battle, I remember. Was. And he was fighting um, those skeleton soldiers, too. Those undead, like, pirates, whatever. Uh, no, those were actually Tritons, I believe. Oh, really? Yeah. They're like uh, Atlantean soldiers. Mm. So, he does that. Eventually, after, uh little quick time event that's not PG-13 <laughs> um, he has a visitation from Athena but because he summoned her because he's like still having visions of killing his family and he's like I want this gone what can I do about it and she says well you know you could try killing Ares and he's like let's do it and so Athena <laughs> it's like, says it's like she was implying kill my brother Athena <laughs> uh, yeah and this and, you know, now that I think about it, it makes sense that they'd want to kill Ares, given what happened in Ascension. Because he was still doing all his plotting. True. So, maybe she foresaw that and she was like, you know what, maybe this would be very profitable for us if we do this. Right. And so, basically, she sends him on this long-run stretch to go after Pandora's box. Hmm. And this actually plays a big effect later on. Oh, yes. When the box is open and how that affects all the gods in Olympus. Yes, very big. And eventually Kratos goes to... He scours through the desert, I believe. Lost Souls, something like that? Yes. And he finds Kronos, who has Pandora's temple on his back. Kronos, who's Kratos' granddad, because Kratos' dad is Zeus. So he infiltrates that. Fights a boss minotaur. It's really mechanical looking and really un, really disgusting looking once you take off all its armor. Gross. 
And so, basically, he gets to Pandora's box, but then Ares says, no, screw you. You think I'm going to let you win? And he takes it. And so Kratos now has to go and track down Ares. Wait, wait, you said, I'm sorry, you said Ares took Pandora's box? Yeah. Before Kratos could actually okay, get to it that. within the temple, mm-hmm. the god of war Ares actually throws a huge pillar, pillar at Kratos and kills him. Oh, it was that. That was yeah. that. That was that cutscene where um, yeah, he threw it like a spear. Yes. And then that spear is like traveled like halfway across the world. It looked like, <laughs> <laughs> and then it got right to where Kratos was at, and he got him like right in the torso. Yep. Whew. And then that's the first time he died. And then he went to Hades. Yeah. But then he walked out because he's Kratos. Yeah. <laughs> and mind you, you know Kratos. He's like later down the line, you're gonna notice that Kratos has been to Hades numerous times, only to get out. It's like there and back again. Yeah. And so after crawling his way out of the underworld, he goes to take on Ares directly because he wants that box and he really wants to kill Ares. Ares! He's been wanting to kill Ares, right? Oh, yeah, for a long time. Like since Ascension, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Damn, it's crazy. And so he finally gets to the box. And once he does... He does what he really shouldn't have. He opened it. He opens it. And by opening, I don't know if you guys know the story of Pandora's box, but basically what that is, is... Like all the evils of the world? Yes. Just like come back and start, you know... Yeah, they were imprisoned within the box, and then by opening the box, they were released. To poison the world. Yes. And this affects the Olympian gods. Because what happens is that because the evils were released... They infected the way the gods operated, but most importantly, fear got hold of Zeus. And we'll get to that in God of War 3. In In God of War 2. It made them a lot greedier, especially Zeus. A lot more greedier, power-hungry, cruel. Because they were somewhat benevolent before. But did did opening Pandora's box also affect Athena? Because I feel like Athena was helping Kratos the entire time regardless. Yeah, I think that might have been because... I I don't think it affected her because she created hope. I remember in God of War 3, it's explained that she created hope, or summoned hope. So the fact that she created hope was like light countering the darkness. Yeah, I guess it's like an immunity thing. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So basically... Because Athena is like Kratos' GPS throughout the game. (laughs) Practically. Yeah. And so Kratos, now having assumed the power within the box, basically owns Ares and kills him with... I believe the blade of the gods. It was like one of the. It was a statue of a blade. Well, let's not forget to mention Metatron that um, I think opening Pandora's box made him bigger or something like that. Oh, yes. Like his dimension size. Yeah, he got bigger. It was a very Ant Man like moment. (laughs) You know? And yeah, he became bigger, and that's when he fought Ares one on one. And then his death created a nuke. Oh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) Yeah, Ares, um, when he died, it was like a freaking like, Hiroshima-Nagasaki bombing. Yep. It was bad. That yep. was the first atom bomb the world ever experienced. <laughs> that was like how many hundreds of years ago? Oh, man. And so basically after that... Kratos took the throne, right? Well, first he actually goes to the cliffs. Oh, yeah. He, it snaps back to the first scene that opened the game. Yes. Right? When he jumps off the suicide bluffs into the Aegean... But then Athena saves him and says, no, how about you become the god of war instead? And he's like, okay, fine. 
don't do it. Yeah, so he didn't want, yeah, that's right. He didn't want to be the new God of War. He was offered the opportunity and he accepted. Yes. And then he took power. Yeah. The throne is his. He is the new God of War. And then that leads us to Ghost of Sparta. Yes. And we'll just go over this one really briefly. And this is where Athena's like, okay, you're a god, but you're not quite ready to be a god because you still have ties on Earth. And I'm sensing one of those ties might be his long-lost brother, Deimos. Right. Because God of War goes to Sparta, a PSP game like Chains of Olympus. It yes. started off with um, Kratos on his seat of power. You know, he has his god armor on, you yep. know. And it snaps back to, like, what you said, Metatron, right? He's, he's having flashbacks of his brother, his lost brother, Deimos. Yep. Yeah. And now he wants to seek him out, I guess. Athena makes him seek him out. Oh, okay. Because he thinks... Yeah, so what happened with the with that is that they when the Olympians first caught wind of the prophecy of the marked one the person who's supposed to bring down Olympus they figured okay let's go find him they actually Athena and Ares go to Sparta and they're met with young Deimos who at the time bore a mark oh, this over is, his this eye. is that flashback yes oh and then Ares assumed oh this is the marked one this is yes. that prophecy and so, then so they find both Kratos, young Kratos, and what's his name, Demos. What they do is they take Demos to Thanatos, the god of death, and they go, yeah, you know what? Let's take you out of the picture and send you over here. You kid, you look like you have potential. I'll leave you alone. That's basically Ares' whole angle. Mm -hmm. And so now Kratos is just finding a way to get to the land of Thanatos. He eventually does, and he eventually finds Demos. Demos eventually... Demos kind of hates him at first, because he's like, I've been living here all this time, and you've been on Earth? Screw you! But then Kratos is like, no, come on, bro, we're bros. And, and on top of that, like, I'm guessing Demos had that mindset that, oh, only now you're coming back to me? Like, you want to reconnect yeah. now? You know, so he feels like he was betrayed, I guess, right, Metatron? Yeah, in a sense. Yeah. But eventually, Demos is like, okay, you know what? You are my brother, and since we're warriors, life is short. Did they fight each other for a while? I was just wondering. They did for they, a They had like bit. a duel, right? Yeah. But then Kratos is like, I'm not going to fight you, man. Come on. Right. We're brothers. Right. But then Thanatos comes into the picture, and he's like, okay, guys, it's nice that you've connected, but you got to die now. <laughs> and what he does is he kills Demos, and then Kratos is like, Okay, why don't you be among those to die now? <laughs> and then he kills the god of death. So he introduced the god of death to the Grim Reaper himself. <laughs> <laughs> you can't introduce me to myself. <laughs> oh, man. And yeah, so, so this goes back to what you said earlier, Meta, that, yeah. um, you know, you got the ferryman, Charon, he's dead. You have freaking um, god of death, Thanatos, right? He's dead. Like, like yep. what's up with that? <laughs> you know? You know, the, the maintainers of death are dead themselves. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. And so basically, now that all this business with Demos is done, Athena comes and she says, you have no more ties to the earth now. You can fully be a god. Kratos is like, screw you. You made me go through this. You know what? Sometime in the future, y'all are going to pay. Oh, yeah, that's true. And then he goes back. And then, just like the tidbit of information, it was like a very short scene at the end. Athena goes and says, I'm so sorry, brother. 
Ooh. Yes. And, and this leads into God of War 2, right? Yes. Which is right after it. Practically. Mm-hmm. And you had that one mobile game that goes between it, but basically that's just the beginning of God of War 2. Yeah, so we don't really count that. We're only counting like seven entries in the chronology. Yes. Right, Meta? From Ascension up until the God of War 2018. Yes, we're getting very close. We are. And now we're at God of War 2. Which Ba-ba-da-ba. was arguably one of the best God of War games ever. This game was pretty fun. I kind of like 3 the best. No, no 3 yeah, was definitely best, but I'm saying God of War 2 was definitely one. Oh, yeah. It's was up definitely there. up there. It's one of the best. So, remember when he said the gods would pay for it, Kratos? This is where things changed for, you know, between the relationship between Kratos and the Olympians. Because what Kratos does is he leads Sparta all across Greece, and he ravages Greece. He leads Sparta victory after victory after victory until they come to Rhodes. They fought the Colossus of Rhodes. Well, that was... So what happens there is Athena goes and she says, Dude, you really gotta stop this. You're you're pissing some of the other gods off. And Kratos is like, No, screw you. You gotta pay for this. And what happens is somehow his god powers get taken away. And that power goes into the Colossus... And the Colossus of Rhodes comes to life. Right, right, right. Yes. And so then Zeus... Isn't the Colossus of Rhodes like one of the seven wonders of the world, something like that? I think it is. Hmm. And so basically Zeus, in all of his, you know, helpful, out of the goodness of his heart ways, says, Hey, look, Kratos, there's this thing called the Blade of Olympus. I made it a really long time ago. I think it'll help you kill the Colossus of Rhodes. He throws it down to, to Earth, right? Yes. Put your godhood in this weapon, and you will definitely beat the Colossus. Mm-hmm. Kratos does that, beats the Colossus, has all of his god power in the sword, but then Zeus comes down... And takes it from him. Takes it, and kills him with right. the Blade of Olympus. Like, he, he like thrusts the Blade, right, of Olympus, right? Through the midsection. Right, yeah. So it was basically a power magnet to, like, suck up all the power from Kratos, right? Yep. And it was all... Just a, all a trap. Yep. As a trap. Zeus betrayed him, and it would be this betrayal that would lead to the downfall of Olympus as a whole. That's right. And let's not uh, forget to mention, Meta, that I believe that Zeus was acting this way because of Pandora's box being opened. Yes, the fear. Element. Back then, right? Yeah, and the greed too. Yep. That so too. And that's a bad combo. So now, guess what? So now Kratos is an enemy of the state. Yep. He's a public enemy in the, in the eyes of Olympus. Everybody. And what do you know? He goes to Hades again. Second but as time? we know, the second time. <laughs> no, the third time. First time was... Persephone. Second time was in God of War 1. Mm-hmm. And then third time is now. Mm, okay. But of course... Wow. The gates of Hades cannot hold. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. (laughs) And he walks out of there again. But not before Gaia visits him and says, Hey, we can help you out. Here's how we're going to help you. These are the original Titans that came before the Olympians. Gaia referred him to the Fates. She said, if you really want to change stuff, you go to the Fates. You take control of their powers. You have the whole world at your feet. Again, Athena's his GPS. Yes. Well, did she help him with this? 
Wasn't she navigating him? In... I don't. I think that was Gaia at this point. Oh, was Gaia? Because remember, wouldn't he be against the state now? That is true. Yeah. But Athena didn't hate. Yeah, she Kratos, didn't though. hate, but I don't think she could exactly be on his side. Because that would be betraying her father. And yes. Alexis, I guess. Yeah, that's true. And the thing is, um, yeah, I think it was Gaia. And by the way, guys, Gaia, she's a titan, right, Meta? Yes, she And is. she's also the narrator of the freaking God of War series <laughs> until uh, God of War 3, something happens. But that's right later We'll get to line. that, guys. We'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> and so after a series of awesome battles, fighting the Kraken, fighting the infamous hero Perseus, Ooh, he yeah. eventually makes his way Who's to... Who's a demigod himself. Yes, he is. Also a son of Zeus. Yes. Oh, no, yeah. He's the son of Zeus, yes. Yeah, he is the son of Zeus. As is Hercules. Who we see later. Oh, yes. God for three. Yes. And so now this game culminates, or begins to culminate, in meeting the fates in their loom. Which is basically like the palace where they decide the fates of mortals. And so, Kratos... God, God save Kratos' soul. Kills them. Is there even one to begin with, Meta? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And so, once he kills the fates, he uses their loom to go back to the point where Zeus tries to kill him, but then he says, with knowledge of the future, he's like, screw you, Zeus. It's time for you to die. And then you have that awesome final fight where Zeus grows like really huge and starts you know boss battle and then they, they, have, they have their fight right and then once Kratos like breaks down Zeus and he's about to deal the killing blow Athena steps in and she takes she basically takes the shot well she fights him for a little bit like come on you, you should really stop now oh yeah yeah just but keep then, him yeah. in the end he kills her by accident <sighs> so sad and he blames himself for it too later and so he's like, no. And then Zeus is like, okay, um, I'm going to leave now. <laughs> Freaking Zeus, man. And so Kratos, still seeing this as a defeat, is like, we're not done here. And then he goes <laughs> right back to his DeLorean. I'm sorry, the loom. <laughs> and he goes, hey, you know what? Those Titan guys were really helpful. You know what? Let's go and recruit them. And so what he does is he goes back in time to the Great War where the Titans first fought the Olympians and he says, hey guys, remember me? Remember me? Guy's like, oh, I remember you. You're that guy from the future. I'm going to help y'all out. You guys want your revenge? You can't do it here. You lose. Let's go to the present and do it there. Mm. And so that game then ends off with the Titans beginning to climb Mount Olympus. And Kratos is on the back of Gaia. Yes. And then he, and I believe Kratos yelled one last time before the game ends, like, Zeus, like, your son has, your son has arrived, something like that? Your son has, has come with the destruction of Olympus. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> and that is literally where God of War 3 picks up. Like, right after God of War 2. Like, right yes. there and then. Of course, you have that really awesome speech from Zeus just a little bit before that. Mm-hmm. And you have a brief chronology layout before you in mm-hmm. the very beginning. And then you get there. They're climbing. And this this is where the power players are at. That's right. This is it. Uh-huh. All the bosses are here, man. 
the lineup here is Zeus. We're already Hades. going into God of War three. Yes, this is God of War three now. The lineup is Zeus, Hades, Poseidon, Hermes, and Helios. Ooh. Those are the guys at the top. And then later you'll see Hera and a few other key characters. Yes. So they're starting to climb. Oh man, this is it. A lot of them get felled, not gonna lie. Mm-hmm. Hades brings one down, just jumping down and taking his chains. like, come with me to the underworld. And I'm like, no. <laughs> Poseidon literally goes baller and shoots right through one, just right, jumping I'm... into it. Yeah. And then I guess he uses like his body parts and stuff, and he makes the giant hippocampus chariot. Yeah, and I believe Poseidon was the first boss battle in that game, right? Yes, he was. Wow. But eventually, because what Poseidon does is he takes his hippocampus chariot and he tries bringing down Gaia. But Kratos, being Gaia's defender, is like, yeah, you know what? I don't think you're going to win today. And eventually what happens is he catapults through Poseidon's uh, you know, manifestation, mm-hmm. takes him out of the, the, the water chariot made of the hippocampus. That thing falls apart. And just the way he kills him. Oh, my God. (laughs) You know, he beats on him for a little bit. And he's like, I must get off this mountaintop. Because at this point, he's, like, really high up in the mountains. And Poseidon is like, I need to get back to the water. I need to do it now. And he gets right to the edge. But then Kratos is like, nope. Get back here. Get over here. (laughs) In the style of Mortal Kombat. That's right. And then he snaps his neck. But before that... He puts his eyes out. He bleeds like profusely for a second. And then he just goes... Whoosh. God of War Next and all its snapped. glory. <laughs> and then once Poseidon dies, we see what the consequences are of killing a major god. Yes. Because that, what happens didn't is... Didn't that start a Greek blood? Yeah. The waters literally rose up to the like the points of the mountains. Yeah, so in, entire villages and cities sank. You know... Yeah. Just, you know, the typical... You don't care... No one cares about humanity. Let them suffer. Yeah. He even says that at one point. Yeah. (laughs) It's messed up. It's like he forgot his origins. Athena's like, hey, uh, you want to keep doing this? Are you sure? He's like, I don't care. Humanity can fend for themselves. At this point, he doesn't care because he's already lost, like, everything. So he just wants to balance that out by making them lose everything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so eventually he makes his way to the top of Mount Olympus. Yes. With Gaia. And he's faced off with Zeus there, but Zeus being in his element says, I've had enough of this. And what he does is he summons like the mother load of all thunderbolts and zaps Gaia off the mountain along with Kratos. Mm-hmm. He throws that like a football. <laughs> yeah. And so what happens there is Gaia's falling. She, she catches um, one of the cliffs, and Kratos is also falling, but he's on Gaia, and he's like, help me, I'm didn't falling, she, Gaia. Didn't she lose a hand or something? Like She, she almost lost a hand. Yeah, yeah, like she Her was hand loose. was like, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. And so what ended up happening there was, even though Gaia and Kratos were in league with each other, Gaia is like, okay, I can't save you right now because my vengeance is more important. Screw you, if I save you, we both die. And I only raised you here for a purpose, so get lost. He gets lost, he falls into the river Styx in the underworld. Yep. <laughs> Remember that? Karen's dead. Back yep. in chains. And now Kratos is in the underworld. 
And he's navigating the underworld. But this time, he's taking bigger fish with him. Mm -hmm. Because he's going to be confronting the big man himself. Hades. Uh Uh-oh. And Hades, ooh, he has some grudges. By the time he gets to Hades, he's like, How many sins have you committed against me? Let's see. You murdered my niece, Athena. Mm -hmm. You murdered my brother, Poseidon. And then not even... He didn't even mention these, but my boat keeper, Karen. <laughs> yeah. The guy who's supposed to make sure mortals die. What about his wife? Thanatos. And then that's the culmination. And then, let's not forget, you murdered my beautiful queen. That's, yeah, damn. And then they fight. So Hades lost a lot. <laughs> Hades <laughs> lost a lot before his own life. Yep. Because what Kratos does is after the fight... He takes Hades' claws, which are basically the things he use, uses to rip out souls, mm-hmm. and he takes Hades' soul. <laughs> he sucked he out takes the soul his of Hades. soul, and then... Soul sucker. And then the worst part, because he was in the river Styx when they were fighting, mm-hmm. but the river, the, the beings within the river weren't attacking him, because he's the god of the underworld. But now that his soul is gone, what happens is they start just chopping through him. Ooh. They, because he's in the river, his soul gets out, and then they just start like pounding him. They like, like. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, they just go ham on him like it's a feeding frenzy. Well, so like he gets sunk beneath the river. So like a but like a school of piranha just exactly. feeding on him, chomping down. Ooh, man, that's that bad. That was it. And because Hades died, now souls can go wherever they want. There's They're free nothing to keeping them in the underworld. So not only do you have a gigantic flood, now you have a bunch of ghosts wandering all of Greece. Yeah, so you have the un- the undead could go literally anywhere now. Yep. I think like from a again from a certain point of view, from the spiritual perspective, it's kind of good that the undead could go anywhere now. They're not trapped in one place. I guess. I mean, they had Elysium before, but that got totaled. Yeah. And that was a pleasant place. That was the only pleasant place in. Yeah, it was. Greece. It was pleasant until freaking Kratos leveled got it. there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so it's as if heaven and hell were both destroyed. Basically, hey, you know that's the that's the premise for the campaign. Yeah. Oh. It, oh, for our yeah D and D campaign. That's right. Because Matt over here, he's. He's a DM or dungeon master in this um, D&D game we play, Dungeons and & Dragons. And then we just started this campaign that we haven't really touched upon recently. Yeah, because we haven't all really been together and hasn't really been any But I feel like we really have to get back we to We really that do. Dungeon. We really have to, you know? Yeah. There's so much I have to show But that guys. is the premise of what you're talking about. Like, basically, Elysium and Hades have been sacked, so it's just Earthrealm. No, what well, well, just a quick. This is uh, getting sidetracked. Just guys, a quick but, sidetrack. What yeah. what that is is that, cause, um, what happened was there was a a little game. Uh, me and Josh would play at um, uh, the when we would travel to Long Island. Okay. And so, one of the things that happened in this game was that all of heaven was empty and all of hell was emptied. Like, of all beings, everything. So And so, based on that... So, wait, so you're saying the places are not destroyed, it's just that they were vacant. Yeah, they were made vacant because everything was killed. Okay. And so, what happened there was... So, I think was, destroyed is the wrong word. It's just that they were... They were... Yeah. Yeah. And so, okay. basically, because <laughs> of that, something called 
like some cosmic event happens where reality shatters because of that. Okay. And so because reality shattered, all these parallel universes, all of these different timelines are now converged in one spot. And that one spot is where the 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 campaign takes place. Yeah, you got, you know, you got your guys from Middle Earth coming over. Like, you got your guys from God of War coming over. You got your guys from Supernatural coming over. They're everyone's meeting out. A whole bunch of stories intertwined into it. It's awesome. But complete digression. Um, we need to get back to that, though. We really do. <laughs> so just to wrap up the, the God of War 3, we're going to go over who else died and who didn't. Hermes! Hermes got his legs chopped off. Those sandals, man. Those, those were nice oh sandals. <laughs> Yeah, and they made you fast, too. Yeah. He died. Helios died. He got his head ripped off. Oof. Oh, man, that was gruesome. And he yeah. was used as, like, a flashlight, I believe. Right, Meta? Yep. He was used to blind Kronos, who also died. Mm. Kratos' grandpa also died. Gosh, man. Uh, who it's not just a war died? against the Olympians. It's a war against the Titans, you know? Yeah, because like they betrayed him. Right, yeah. Like, Kratos killed the freaking narrator. <laughs> you yeah. know, because Guy, like I said earlier, is the narrator of the God of War franchise. Yeah. And so I believe all the Titans are dead. Perseus also dies too. He's the giant volcanic Titan. Um, Hercules, he fights Hercules. He kills him by just bashing his face that in was the nice Nemean Cestus. That was a nice battle. Yeah. So he kills Hercules. He kills Hera just by like, he literally picks her up with one hand and just with a flick of his finger and snaps her neck. <laughs> It was very Darth Vader-ish. Yeah. That happened. Oh, and because Hera and Hermes died, sickness just started ravaging everything. Mm-hmm. The plague. Yes. Helios, when he died, the sun got blotted out. <laughs> when Hermes died, I remember there was like a bunch of flies, like a swarm of flies yep. just like swarming down. That was another thing that happened. And then we get to our last two deaths, or a few deaths. Hephaestus, who was helping uh, Kratos, he basically sent Kratos after Kronos because he needed the Omphalos Stone to make the Nemesis Whips. Right. But Hephaestus betrays him by turning the electricity on that powers the Nemesis Whips and tries to kill Kratos, but Kratos says, screw that, and he uses his own equipment to kill Hephaestus. You said he used like, these Electro Whips, similar to yeah. what was seen in Iron Man 2? Nemesis Whips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um... Like, I was talking to Meta earlier prior to this podcast that um, Kratos did not kill one certain god, or goddess, I should say. And that yeah. was Aphrodite, the wife of... Hephaestus. Hephaestus, right? Yeah. And, yeah, that... She, she didn't die. Yeah, basically. That, that, was a, that was something else that happened. Go play the game if you want to know. Yeah, you'll see. <laughs> so she's but the she was like only the, one that's left alive. Yeah, she's pretty much the sole survivor. Yeah. Otherwise, she just everyone else. on Olympus now. It's just like, like a bunch of dead bodies everywhere. I don't know, I don't know what on earth she actually does now. <laughs> I don't know. But basically, we get to our last few deaths, and the most memorable ones are Pandora, who was Hephaestus's daughter. That was pretty sad. She wasn't oh, yeah, dead Pandora per se. She was like a banshee. Yeah. Yeah, Pandora was in the game. That's right. The actual, the person that the box is named after. Yeah. She died opening the box for Kratos. Gaia comes in who's revealed not to be dead because when Kratos was going to kill 
Helios, Gaia was like, hey, I'm stuck here, help me. And then Kratos is like, hey, remember that time when you screwed me over? I'm going to screw you over and basically cut her hand off. Oh, man. But then by the time she resurfaces, she grew another hand because, well, she's Mother Earth. What? Chopped off hand? Come on, it's not going to stop her. But basically the final battle takes place within Gaia. Oh, Both Zeus Gaia? and Hades. I mean, not Zeus and Hades. Zeus and Kratos. Because mm. remember, she tries... She picks up the the little place that they're... That Kratos and Zeus are fighting in. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She crushes it. And then they both go into, like, that hole in her heart made by the hippocampus chariot. Right. And then basically, this is the way she dies. Kratos, after a long-haul battle with uh, Zeus within Gaia... Yeah, she basically... What Kratos basically does is he impales Zeus with the Blade of Olympus into Gaia's heart at the same time killing Gaia. Damn. Oh my goodness. It was. And I thought she was already dead before. She's not dead. Now she is definitely dead Mm -hmm. because she falls apart once the Blade of Olympus reaches her heart. Oh, man. And then the actual final fight where... Kratos thinks Zeus is done, but then the fear manifestation he, he of fights Zeus. His father, finally. Yeah. To finally, like, you know, get his revenge. Yep. The fear manifestation of Zeus sort of, like, overcomes Kratos, I guess, and then you have that sequence where he's basically reconciling with his past. Right. And doesn't um, the player's, like, the screen snap into, like, a first person perspective? Yes. And then you see Kratos is like this, you just clobbering. Oh, yes, that's, that's after the sequence. Oh, basically, no. he unlocks the power of hope, and it's basically the fires of Olympus that are in his hand, mm-hmm. which supposedly no god can touch. Right. And he just starts wailing on Zeus. And this is for, like, and more than, like, three minutes. This My favorite part, <laughs> my favorite part of this part of the game is that you basically beat Zeus to death until you see nothing on the screen. But blood. The screen is covered with blood. You can't even see past it. Yeah, that's how and you can keep, it was. You can keep hitting him. Yeah, you just, you just you, keep clogging. It's only when you stop that Kratos wipes the blood away and you see Zeus dead there. Oh my god, it was so bloody. It was so awesome. Like Kratos beating up his father with his bare hands. And then okay. finally... Ooh. Zeus's death seals it all. That's Olympus it. has fallen. And then at the very end, a manifestation of Athena. Yeah, she's alive. She's back. And she says, okay. And she basically ties all the first three games together. And she says, now that you have this hope power that originally belonged to me, I want it back. Mm-hmm. And so Kratos is like, my vengeance ends now. And then he kills himself with the Blade of Olympus, quote-unquote. Well, he looks like he was about to slash down... um, Yes, Athena. Athena, right? But then, yeah, he kills himself. Yep. And I quoted that, kills. Because in the next game, Mm -hmm. that takes place after Greece is just completely wrecked. Well, before you move on to that, don't forget um, to mention that at the end end of God of War 3, we just see a trail of blood... But no body. Yes. And the Blade of Olympus is just left there. I'm surprised. Right. There's no body, though. What happened? Yes. And that's what the next game, God of War 2018 edition, goes into. 
Yeah, so eight years after God of War 3 came out, now we're in this game, 2018, God of War. And here, we, are, we, are, we discover that Kratos is very much alive, Indeed, as the yes. ending of God of War 3 implied. But, interestingly, he's not doing anything nefarious. Actually, he's just a good old lumberjack. He's in a different pantheon now. Yes, he's living under the Norse pantheon. Because... Greece is obviously right, so why stay there? Exactly, you know, you gotta move. During his moving, he actually finds a wife who we come to know as Faye. More on that later, but... And with Faye, he has a child named Atreus. And so this game takes the journey from the mom's death, Faye, to spreading her ashes on the highest point in all the Nine Realms, which we would be led to believe is Midgard, but it's actually going to be in Jotunheim. But we don't know that yet. So what happens here is that now Kratos and Atreus are left alone, and the mom wants a specific tree to, I guess, have her funeral pyre on. Mm-hmm. So they cut it up. Like at the highest peak of like a mountain or something. Well, that's where they spread their ashes. Oh, okay. But she has them choose the specific tree. Which oh, in the also, beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which also brings down the warding around their house. Yes. And... They live like in the middle of a forest or something. Yeah. And so they use that tree to basically make a pyre and burn their ashes. Right. And then they collect the ashes and now they're going to try and go to the highest peak of all the nine realms. But before they even set out on that adventure, they are met with the wily, unfeeling Balder. Mm. And Kratos, not caring who he is, I believe says, he's the brother of Thor, right? Is he? Yes, he is. Okay. Not from the same mom, I don't think, though. Okay. But yeah. they're bros, though. They are brothers. So, basically, when the warding drops because that tree was cut down, Balder comes a-knocking because he's looking for Freya. He's been hunting Freya for a long time. I mean, not Freya. Um, Faye. Faye. He's been hunting Faye. Because Odin put it in his mind that if Balder can find Jotunheim, then he can be free of this curse, which we will elaborate on later. Mm-hmm. So this brings Balder into conflict with Kratos, who, looking for Faye, instead finds Kratos. And he's like, who the hell are you, bro? And Kratos is like, I don't care. Get off my property, little bitch. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. And then Balder's like, do you know who I am? You don't talk to a god like that. Kratos, in his mind, is going, I've talked to a lot of gods like that, and look at how they fared. <laughs> no, and I believe Balder already knew of who Kratos was and what he was capable of, and he wanted to unleash... He wanted Kratos to unleash his... Well, once he found out, he was there. Right, oh, yes. And then he was like, oh, so you're the famous ghost of Sparta. He doesn't name him, but he knows who he is. Yeah, he He knows his background. Yeah, and so knowing this, he says, you know what? Let's fight. Let's see if you can make me feel something, because I can't feel anything. They have this really drawn-out fight. Looks like Kratos kills him because what he does is he snaps his neck and he falls down a ravine. But yeah, like freaking Kratos beats the crap out of Balder, but does Balder feel anything? Does he die? That is the question. Yeah. 
And then Kratos obviously seeing It's like he ate up all those shots, right? (laughs) Yeah. And it's like... So Kratos seeing that their house was no longer protected, they figure, okay, let's go on this journey. Hopefully we'll get some heat off of us. It's like they were self-evicted for a while. (laughs) Yes. And so they go on the journey towards the mountain, which they think is the highest point in Mm -hmm. all the realms. Yes. It's in Midgard. And... What happens is at one point they get there's this black it's like this fog and it's basically covering the entryway so that they can get all the way up to the top. It's the black breath, I think. Yes. It was like it was like the smoke, this black smoke that mm-hmm. prevented them from advancing. Yes. So it was an obstacle in their way that and they needed something to penetrate through that. So eventually well a little bit before this, he teaches Atreus a little bit of hunting. Atreus, in all his wisdom, hits a golden boar with his bow. And he's like, oh, I don't want to kill it. It's so special. And Kratos is like, no. But then they come to realize Remember when they were hunting deer? I don't mean to cut you off, but remember when they were hunting deer? He's like, where do we go? In the direction of deer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so basically what happens, so he hits the bow. Kratos is like, okay, you know what? End this now. But before Atreus can do it, the witch of the woods comes out and says, yo, that's my boar. Yeah. What do you think you're doing? Yeah, it's like my pet. That's my homes right there, you know? And then Kratos is like, Put some okay, respect maybe... on my board. <laughs> yeah. Kratos is like, okay, maybe we should stop. Yeah, and yeah, she's yeah. like, okay, you can stop, but now you're going to help me heal him because you got him in this mess in the first place. And I believe, okay, I I'm, I'm think I'm getting ahead of myself, but yeah. I think this witch, similar to Balder, already knows a little bit or a lot about Kratos. Through a line of questioning, she finds out who he is. Yes. Yes, so they first go to the turtle hut. That's the, turtle the first hut. time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she lives under a turtle. Because basically this lady lives under a turtle. A giant turtle. Yes. And so when they come upon this black breath, I, I, it's either Atreus or Kratos that says this. They're like, oh, this looks like a magical thing. Maybe that which can help us. They go back. She refers them to finding the the gateway thing that lets you travel through all the nine realms and they direct them to go to Alfheim. Yes. Yeah. Because they need the light from that place. There's like a bunch of portals in this game, I believe, right? Meta? Yeah. Well, the that's the Bifrost. Yes. There's the portal room, but they're essentially traveling on the Bifrost mm. to get access to all the nine realms. I see. And so... They eventually find their way to Alfheim. They are bearing witness to the war between the Light Elves and the Dark Elves. The Dark Elves were like really, really aggressive. So Kratos was like, okay, if you're really, really aggressive with me and my son, we'll get really, really aggressive with you. And that's another thing we notice in this game. Kratos is very much tempered. He's not the the stir-crazy, blood-lusted Kratos we know from the first three God of War No, no, no. He's a lot more mature, I guess, and wise, so to speak. Because he now realizes the full consequences of not only being a god, but what happens when you screw with god stuff. Exactly. And I gotta say, Meta, I think this game is arguably more about the son, Atreus, than it is about Kratos. That's true. And this is like the first God of War game in which we see Kratos fighting and traveling alongside a companion throughout yes. the entire game and not, you know, alone. Yeah. So it's a lot it's a lot different than all the other God of War games. 
Yeah, and I think it's also really good because it really like the first the first set of God of War games. There's some character development for Kratos, but in this game, there is like a crap ton of character development for him. Yeah, because like you said, it's not just Kratos anymore. It's with his son, and now that he has a son, there are other priorities that he needs to acknowledge. So that really factors in to how he deals with these new uh, these new situations now. Mm-hmm. So instead of going stir crazy and fighting like every single thing he sees, he's more of a if they hit us, we hit back. But if they don't, leave them alone. Right. But if they are in our way, we're gonna stomp right through them. <laughs> so there you have that aspect from the first like three games and all the other ones like Chains of Olympus and Ascension. Yeah. But generally, it's more of a golden rule. Do unto others as you do unto yourself. So they finally get that light of Alfheim. They go back, dispel the black breath, make it all the way to the top, only to find the gateway to Jotunheim. Which is the land of the giants, for all of y'all who don't know. Yes, the Jotuns. And up there, they are met with... Balder, Modi, and Bodhi, who are questioning one Mimir. This Modi and, and this other guy. Bodhi? They're the sons of Thor. Yes, they are. Which makes them the nephews of Balder. Who, yep. Who's the brother of Thor. Okay. And so they're interrogating Mimir. Mimir is like, oh, I have nothing to say to you fools. Get out of here. I'm already being tortured by being half stuck in a tree. Screw you. Yeah. And they're like, okay. Continue rotting there. Get, get... <laughs> Get you know, get like uh, uh, what do you call those bugs? Uh, uh, whatever. I can't set up a joke. Yeah, moving on. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> what happens is now Kratos and Atreus come upon Mimir and is like, "Oh, you guys are interesting. You know, let me help you, but you're gonna have to do something grisly in order to do it." Kratos is like, "Okay, I don't care. What is it? Chop my head off." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, that's not something I hear someone ask every day. (laughs) (laughs) And Kratos is like, are you sure you want me to do that? I think you'll be dead. Well, do you know the Witch of the Woods? We do. She'll she'll reanimate my head, don't worry. (laughs) It's cool. (laughs) So they chop off his head, bring his head to the Witch of the Woods, she reanimates him, boom. Mimir is back. And what happens after that? I think he says, uh, oh, Freya! Yeah, and then that's where that bombshell is dropped. Uh The Witch of the Woods is actually the Vanir goddess, Freya. Mm -hmm. Also known as Frigg, I believe, right? No, Frigg is an Aesir god. She's different. Oh, okay. As I was. Um, What then happens is that... I think it has to do with uh, Kratos' son, Atreus. Yes, he starts getting sick. Yeah. And it's because the two sides of him are conflicting with each other. Yeah, so now the witch, Freya, yeah. she um she um she volunteers to like babysit Atreus. Right? Is that what it is? Yeah, well and first Kratos, what they do is Kratos travels with the head of Mimir. Yeah. They go get whatever. But with Mimir, the thing that actually prompts him to go to Jotunheim is he says, Well, this mountain on Midgard isn't actually the highest point in all the nine realms. Isn't? It isn't. It isn't, okay. So then he says the highest point is actually in Jotunheim, Lens- which is yeah. actually where Faye 
wanted them to go and touch more on that later. Mm-hmm. And so now that that now that that's been cleared up, now we can start talking about Atreus falling ill. Atreus falls ill because he doesn't know that he's the son of a god or that he even is a god. Yeah. And throughout the game, Kratos has made it very abundantly clear that he hates gods. So this causes, I guess, Atreus to fall into some kind of metaphysical sickness. Yeah, and then Freya, I believe Freya told Freya, excuse me, Freya told Kratos that the reason he's ill is because he doesn't know the truth or something like that. Yeah, and you need to tell him the truth, otherwise he's gonna get worse. But then Kratos, refusing, says, "Is there another way?" And she says, "Well, there's a temporary way, but it's not gonna be easy." And then he says, "What? Go to Helheim." Okay, I will. Yeah, I've been to Hades before. It's all good. I'll <laughs> go to the Norse Hades instead. But then the mirror is like, you're not going to survive. You need something that can generate heat. There's nothing in these realms that can generate heat. And then Kratos here. says, I know of one thing. Oh, yes. And then he That's takes right. Freya's boat back to the ravaged Greece. That's right. And Atreus was still being babysitted by Freya, right? Yes, she was happening. tending to him. Right, so Kratos went on the he went on his boat, going back to his you know, with a few visions his from Athena cabin here in the there. woods. Yeah, yes, we saw the banshee mm-hmm. of Athena. Yep, and basically, we go Again. to the cabin to uncover that Kratos harbored the very famous blades of chaos. Woo-hoo. And basically, those are going to be the things that help him get through Helheim. And we see that it works. Because when he gets to Helheim, he's able to still do his fire tricks when nothing else in the realm of the Norse mythos is able to do that. Those Blades of Chaos are both a blessing and a curse. Oh, yes, they are. They're the very reminders of his past. But they're also what gets him through Helheim. Yep, and helps him save his son. Because what he has to do is Freya instructed him to take out the heart of the gatekeeper. It was like a giant or something like that. Yeah, he was that dude at the bridge, right? Yep. In Helheim. And, and, he, and he's not allowed to cross that bridge. Because he's mortal. Because the gatekeeper's like, I don't want any mortals coming in here. My boss will cut my head off. Yeah. Just stay out mortals. Kratos is like, okay, let's start a fight. I want your heart. I'm going to piss you off. He pisses him off. He kills him. He takes his heart out. It's very bloody. One of the things that he sees, though, because before he even fights him, he sees, like, a whole part of Helheim shrouded in mist. And Mimir's like, oh, don't go there. No. Very bad. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we see after he's killed this giant is we see, like, a, a phantasm manifestation of the face of Zeus. Yep. Zeus is back, too. As a banshee, so to speak. Yeah. And Mimir's like, whoa. Who was that? And he says, my father. And he's like, Zeus was your father? And then Mimir finally figures out it who all adds Kratos up. is. It all adds up now. Yep. And so now that he, Kratos has retrieved this heart, he leaves Helheim and goes back to his son Atreus and helps apply the little mysticism cure. Mm-hmm. That's temporary. But what he eventually decides to do once Atreus wakes up, at some point in the journey, he just says, okay, you know what? I gotta start telling him. You're a part god, boy. And then boy is like, 
Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense why you're so powerful. You know what? I think I'm going to like being a god. And Uh-oh. then he starts acting like a dick for the next few sequences. Yeah. He basically tells off the dwarves that have been helping him. He starts acting quite rudely to Mimir also. Yeah. And he's generally been a nice kid. And then... He's young the cul- and naive. Yeah. But then the culmination of his pride is when they come across Modi and Bodhi. Got Something you. I forgot to mention... They fought the two of them a little bit prior to the falling ill uh, accident. Yes, they did. And Kratos kills, I believe, Modi. And Bodhi is left alive and he escapes. But by the time Bodhi comes back and Atreus is feeling all prideful, he reveals that Thor beat him up for calling him a quote-unquote coward. Mm. And he's like, you let your brother die. Now I'm going to beat you senseless. Mm -hmm. And so Bodhi's like... And then uh, Atreus is like, hey, we're gods. We don't give a shit. <laughs> Pretty much. Again, then, like I said, he's young and naive. He, he's not humble with his newfound power. Yeah, and essentially what he does is he kills Bodhi against the orders of Kratos. He gives him a, a nice little stab in the neck. And, and, then, he, kicks and then he Sparta kicks him. Yeah. This is Sparta! <laughs> And then Kratos is like, you know, you lack discipline, boy. Yeah, and then they run into Balder again. Yep. And this time, Atreus is still not listening, and Balder, who's attempting to use the Bifrost to get to Asgard, oh no, Kratos kind of stops it and puts it into its last known trajectory, the Bifrost, and that happened to be Helheim. Mm. And what happens is they all get swept into the nasty part of Helheim. The part where you have the visions plague you, like what we saw with Banshee Zeus. And it is there that it is not only revealed that Atreus starts to learn a little bit of the truth about Kratos, that maybe he isn't the most stand-up of a guy, like he's not the best guy. We also find out that Baldur's mom is Freya. Freya. So once they get out of there, they're like, okay, we gotta be careful. Well, let's talk about that interaction between mother and son. I mean, Freya, she, she wanted to reconcile with her son. Yes, she did. But see, the whole reason why she had to reconcile is because remember how we were saying earlier that Balder can't feel anything? Well, he literally can't feel anything. He can't enjoy food. He can't enjoy that. that. He can't enjoy even the wind on his face. He doesn't feel anything. And it's very depressing. Yes. And along with that, he cannot die and he cannot feel pain. And that's the thing that Freya did to him. She basically did this spell where all of that would happen. But most importantly, she didn't want Balder to feel pain. Because when she saw him as a kid, he was like little frail little god so according to her she wanted to protect him yes but it was more of a curse yeah than a blessing in trying to protect him she cursed him and he hates her for that and so he then resolves to kill her once being reconfronted with this memory again damn yeah so by the time we leave Helheim because we eventually leave Helheim before we leave Helheim 
they Atreus and Kratos take a boat and they're trying to get back to the Bifrost gateway and I mentioned this a little bit earlier but what happens there is that Atreus sees the the final moments of God of War 3 actually where Kratos is like it is the end father he casts aside the blades of chaos he was using the mighty and Atreus Zeus. doesn't know what the hell is going on he's like yeah. what the hell is this you know? But Kratos knows full well what it is. <laughs> yeah, Kratos is clearly being haunted by his past. And yeah. his son doesn't know anything about it. And basically, that little tidbit ends with the last part we were talking about. Where Kratos is just wailing on Zeus with his own two fists. And that continues to happen until the boat begins to crash. And Atreus is like, we have no time. We can't see the rest of this. We've got to go. And they basically leave Helmheim. Because they crash into the Bifrost Gateway. Or they cross... They, no, they crash into Odin's sub-palace in Helheim. And then they eventually find, like, a, a way to get back to, you know, the Midgard. But Kratos, um, I believe he did not reveal to not the Trace, right? About what the hell was that? Yeah. He, he didn't reveal, like, oh, Zeus is your grandfather. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So now what they're doing at this point... Remember how I said they wanted to get to Jotunheim? Well, they finally got the... Um, no, okay, sorry. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. When they get back to Midgard, they go to Tyr's Vault. And the whole reason they're going to Tyr's Vault is so that they can get the rune that will allow them to go to Jotunheim at the top of the mountain where they have, where they have the gateway. So once they do that, after a long and perilous trial, and also finding out that... Tyr was a bit of a traveler. Tyr visited not only the Olympians. This is very interesting right here. Because um, Odin took away a piece of a mural that was in Tyr's vault. And basically it depicted Tyr visiting Greece, visiting the land of the Celtics, which is like England area, the, the British Isles. You also had... I, I said Greece already, right? Yes, you did. That's the first one. Egypt. Oh, boy. Mm. The rod? Yep. And last but not least... Japan. The Japanese Shinto religion. And these were all represented by their symbols. Like, you had the Eye of Ra, the Omega symbol for Greece with the Olympians. Mm-hmm. The Celtic Triskelion symbol. And the Hidari Gomo symbol and i don't think these were in the game for no reason oh yes they're definitely revisiting that there's <laughs> no way they leave that alone however i don't want santa monica to rush this let's take our time in the norse mythos you know just like the rest of the god of war franchise prior to this was all greek pantheon right there's a lot to explore in, in just one pantheon so there's no need to rush yeah you know let this finish up with a nice trilogy yeah Alright, so now getting back on track. Once they finally get this rune from Tyr's vault, they leave. They go to the Jotunheim Bridge, but they're met with, um, what's his name again? Balder. But Atreus, still a little headstrong, decides to not listen to Kratos, and they destroy the Kratos in trying to fight... Balder, he destroys the bridge that allows them to go to Jotunheim. 
time at the top of that mountain where we meet oh, that's, yes 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 yeah right oh wait but that actually happens before they get to Helheim my bad so that's a little bit out of order but that's the whole reason why they're going on this next quest which is they're finding a way to get to Jotunheim without using that bridge because it's been destroyed, destroyed. yes and so what they're going after now is Tyr's other eye I mean not Tyr's other eye Mimir's other eye because they already got Mimir's eye because originally when we meet Mimir he's blind they took his eyes out yeah but over the course of the game I think maybe they find one of the eyes off one of the sons of Thor or Baldur himself I guess I don't remember which but they find one eye but now they have to go and look for the other eye so that they can use the eyes to reflect the energy so that they can get to Jotunheim so when they finally find the eye in Jormungandr's belly, and but Jormungandr that's is the, the world, world serpent. serpent. Yeah. Yeah. And more on that later, guys. <laughs> There's so much more on that later. You have no idea. So once they find um, Mimir's other eye, they're met with Baldur who shakes up the world serpent. <laughs> and they get basically barfed out. Yeah, because they went inside the world yes. serpent. They got Mimir's eye, and then they were starting to get out. Yeah. And so here's where the final fight occurs. It's a four-way, or three-way. Kratos and Atreus versus Baldur versus the one who just showed up, Freya. And Baldur... It's like a battle royale. Yeah. And in a brief... um, in a brief little speech, Baldur's like, you know, I've been trying to find words to say to you. You know, I hate you. You look at what you've done to me. I want to make you understand what you've made, what you've, what you've done to me. But you know what? I don't care. I think I'll just kill you. <laughs> yeah. And so he tries to kill Freya. Kratos and Atreus, obviously growing fond of Freya at this point, say, no, we're going to protect her. But in doing that, Freya's getting mad at them because now they're fighting Baldur. Exactly. So. But then something else happens. And this is a very important tidbit, guys. As Atreus is fighting Baldur, uh, Kratos gets uh, wounded somehow. And Atreus is basically blocking Baldur from getting to Kratos. What happens is Baldur punches Atreus... And something happens where his spell is mysteriously lifted. But it's revealed that because Baldur punched Atreus... Atreus had something... He had a mistletoe piece holding his, yeah. uh, his quiver together. Baldur punched that... Made physical contact with the mistletoe. It impaled his hand. Mm-hmm. And basically because the mistletoe impaled his hand, it broke Freya's spell over him. He can feel again. And so now he's going stir-crazy fighting Kratos like, oh, he's basically orgasming out over the fact that I can feel things again. Even if you are punching me, I love it. <laughs> it's the fact that he can feel. He can feel the weather, everything. Yes. And what happens in this is that they're fighting, they're fighting, they're fighting. Freya shows us the depths of her power by reanimating a dead giant. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's right. That did happen, And too. she's trying so hard to keep them from fighting each other. And so, finally, C- 
Kratos beats down Balder and says, Stop. I have been where you are. Trying to get vengeance will lead to nothing productive. Leave her alone. Leave us alone. We're going to leave you alive. Leave us alone. They start walking away. Freya, still trying to reach out, trying to reach out to Balder. She goes to him. You know, she says, come on, we can reconcile. We can do this. But Balder says, we can't. We really nope. just can't. The damage, sure, I'm free now. But for one, you didn't even intend for me for that to happen. And two, you still have 100 years to pay for. And so basically Freya's like, okay, whatever you want, son. Just do it. And then Balder tries to choke her. But then Kratos is like, Freya no. Was, Freya was basically accepting her death at that point. Yes, but then Kratos just steps in. He said he was going to leave it alone, but I guess having grown a little bit more towards the good side, said no. The cycle ends here. And <laughs> snaps his neck. Yep. And that makes an enemy of Freya now, because that was her son. Right. And she leaves mourning the death of Balder. Does she want exact vengeance on Kratos? We don't know. I think she will. And I think she'll have a big role in the development of Atreus and what happens to him. Turn Atreus against his own father? Ooh. I, I think so. So, now we're finally at the end. They have everything they need to get to Jotunheim, and they open the portal successfully. Yes. They go through this temple, or like, you know, a little shrine for the for the Jotuns. Yeah, leading right up to the peak. Yeah, to where they need to be. And they come across a mural. And in this mural, it is revealed that Atreus's mother, Faye, is a giant! Yep, she's a giant. And basically what happens here is this mural depicts every single step of the journey she's that they have the North, just been on. She's part of the Norse mythos. Yes. The mural on the wall shows every detail of the journey they've just been on. Throughout, in the context of the game, meeting Jormungandr, fighting Baldur, Baldur's death, all of it prophesied on the wall. And Kratos goes all the way to the end. He kind of sees something, and he's like, huh, that's interesting. And it's basically Atreus holding Kratos like, you know, like a... He's holding him as if he's dying. He's holding him in his arms. Yeah. And it, it's really weird. It's supposed to foreshadow death, something like that. Kratos leaves it all and says, oh, fuck it. They go to the top... And they spread Faye's ashes as they now come to the realization that Faye planned all this. For them, for for them, them to, to go find to Jotunheim. Out. Yes, and to find out of her giant origin. Her Jotun origin. And it's crazy how Kratos didn't even know of, you know... Faye's background. Faye's background, yeah. And then... So, so that means Atreus is half giant, giant from his maternal side and half Olympian from his father's side. But that's not even the biggest bombshell. That's not. Because we're getting Atreus, to that right now. <laughs> Atreus finally Atreus he he knows how to read all this Norse Jotun stuff. So he says, "You know, dad, there's something weird. The mural doesn't mention my name Atreus. They mention my name as being Loki." And that's the big <laughs> moment of this game. Finding out Whoa. who the hell Atreus 
really is. And so that also means that Fei is short for Lao Fei, Lao Fei, who is one of the giants that is actually the mother of Loki in the actual mythology. So it all adds up. It all adds up. So Fei was wow. but a nickname for yes. for full name. And so they spread the ashes. They have a little bit of thoughts here and there. I wasn't even thinking about that at the moment. It was just thinking about Loki the entire time. Yeah. And I was thinking about the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic <laughs> Universe. Yeah. You know, Loki, um, you know, telling the Hulk, I, I got an arm. <laughs> you know? We have a Hulk. <laughs> yeah, so basically they're going down. They finally get home. And at the very, 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 very end. When they're back at the cabin in the woods. Yep, they go back. It's safe now. But is it safe for is it? long? Yeah. Because all around them, uh, what, a few months later? More or less, yeah. Yeah. There's a big thunderstorm shaking the house, literally. Oh, Lightning and thunder everywhere. Who's the Norse god of thunder? And then Kratos goes out and sees a man standing there. Is it a man? And he calls out, who are you? And then we see the man, like, you know, ruffle his cloak a little. And mm-hmm. we see a big Thor-sized hammer. And I think you mentioned the name right there. Yep. <laughs> it is Thor. And that concludes God of War. Now let's Now let's say why this game, God of War, was the 2018 game of the year. I will say that it was because of its compelling narrative. Precisely. It's so compelling. And then just the bombshell at the end is so crazy. And all these Easter eggs, as you mentioned, Meta. Yeah. Like, from the other pantheons and Tears Vault, was it? Tears yes, Vault? Tears Vault. To, um, you know, finding out who Atreus really freaking is. Yeah, they actually, they actually mention a few things even before that that actually serve as hints. So, one of the things that Loki can do in the mythology is that he can shapeshift into different animals. One of the questions Atreus asks Kratos when he first finds out that he's a god is he's like, can I turn into animals? Bombshell, I mean, nugget number one. That's pretty much a giveaway for all mythos yeah. nerds, you know, out there. Nugget number two. Um, I think this was in an interaction between Kratos, Mimir, Atreus, and Jormungandr. What happens there is... I guess um, Atreus is starting to find out the giant's old language because that's the only language Jormungandr speaks. And it's so, an ancient tongue. It's, yeah, it's an ancient tongue. It's lost time, yeah, yeah. space, all that. Atreus starts picking it up, and Mimir makes a comment that basically translates something that Jormungandr says. And Mimir says, Jormungandr said, you kind of remind him of his father. And let me tell you guys, Jormungandr's father in the actual is mythos. none other in the actual mythos than Loki. <laughs> and I remember you mentioned to me um, earlier that, um, what's his name, Loki is the father of three specific three um, specific children, but there's like another one who's like fourth, I guess you'd yeah, say. Yeah, he's a little less but known, the main but still three, important. like number one would be the world serpent Jormungandr. The second one, Fenrir, the famous wolf that is credited with devouring Odin during Ragnarok. It's basically a giant wolf, right? Yes. Similar to like that giant flying wolf in Rampage that came out earlier last year. Except a little more badass and can be gods. Yeah, but just think about that one, though. Yeah. And then the last one, 
Hela, who is the or Hell, you could say either one. We we I say Hela because it's a little more feminine. Yeah. Yeah. But basically Hela is the ruler of Helheim. So she's basically like the female version of Hades. Yes. Ooh. And so that all of these are the spawn of freaking Loki, who's still a kid in that game. And then you have Sleipnir, who is basically the offspring of Loki and a horse. Uh, I mean, an eight-legged horse. <laughs> I mean, I guess bestiality is a thing for certain people, but uh, I, I don't want to get into that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like I said, I think uh, what's his name, Loki or Atreus, in the game, he took that question too far, in which he asked. <laughs> Can I turn into animals? You know? <laughs> yeah. And so the last, probably the one that had to have given it away for any of us mythology geeks out there, is the interaction between Baldur and Atreus. When Baldur punches him and the piece of the mistletoe gets stuck in him. In the actual mythology, Loki is also credited with tricking Baldur into dying. Because what happens is... In, in the Norse mythology, um, a, something similar happens where uh, Baldur's mom says, okay, I'm going to cast a spell on Baldur so that he can never die. So basically she asks everything in creation not to be able to harm Baldur, but I think it's either she forgets to get to Mistletoe or she just doesn't get to Mistletoe at all. And basically what Loki does is he plays a prank on Baldur and accidentally slips him some mistletoe well, purposefully slips him some mistletoe, and he dies. And what do we see in this game? Unintentionally given, Loki slash Atreus has the mistletoe on him, and like in the mythology, Baldur is tricked into getting exposed to the mistletoe, and the spell is broken. So I think it goes hand in hand, the mythos and it the game. So even hand. though, how, as you said, in the mythos, what's his name, Loki intentionally tricked yes um balder into giving into the mistletoe and thus causing his death yes. whereas in the god of war game it was inadvertently yes but it still contributed to his death ultimately because yes. kratos made the final kill with the next snap yeah and you know it'd be interesting because odin odin's a pretty shady guy he'd be the kind of person to spin it and say loki did it intentionally true so that could be like the reason why we may know it as Loki doing it intentionally, but in reality, Odin is just putting the spin on it to make Loki look bad. Mm -hmm. Even though, obviously... Is this one of those like histories written by the victor moments? Yes. I, that's, that's just my own little tidbit there. But yeah, that's... That makes sense, though. Those are all the little nuggets that basically point towards Atreus being Loki, and it's just so awesome. Such an awesome game. Yeah. And I honestly, I'm not surprised that this game got Game of the Year. It was just really awesome. And it looked like, it didn't even look like it was a game. It looked like it was a movie. It was more of a movie. I'm going to be honest, Meta, and like to all our listeners out there, I didn't really play the game. I just watched the cutscenes on YouTube. <laughs> I watched yeah. it as if it was a movie. And it was great. It was absolutely great. It was a lot different than all the other God of War games. That's for sure. Like... We both agree on the compelling narrative is what put it up there. Mm -hmm. And as, as well as the father-son dynamic, I believe, you know. Yes. Because it's no longer Kratos alone. It's no longer centered on him. It's centered on his son. 
who happens to be Loki. <laughs> oh, man. It's just so much about this game, man. Yeah. And that concludes our little, I guess, review of God of War. Concludes our not-so-little review of the yes. God of War franchise. <laughs> yes. Now, in this next bit, we're going to be getting into a little thing we've been putting together. But, off we'll, the scenes. but we'll keep this as brief as possible. Yes, of course. <laughs> Yeah, so me and ASAP Balrog here, we're going to be working on a little project here on our off time. What we're going to do is, you know how the Norse mythology and the Greek mythology are now being blended together by what's happening in God of War? We're thinking that we're going to make a fully-fledged family tree incorporating both pantheons. Everybody. Literally Everybody. <laughs> Yeah, and this is going to go, like, really in-depth. Like, God of War touches on a lot of the, um... They don't touch on everyone within the Greek pantheon, but they get enough of it there. Such that there are other pieces that we can piece together. Like, you mentioned Aranos before. That'll definitely be in our yes. family tree. Right. Even though it wasn't mentioned in the God of War games, it's still pretty much canon. It's part of the mythos. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not about what's necessarily in the game. It's just about the mythology overall. Yeah. So it's really going full-blown nerd on it. Yep. And Kratos is the link to all of it. He's the bridge between both pantheons, if you think about it. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe he'll bleed into the Egyptian, Celtic, and Shinto pantheons. I think oh Tears Vault said it all, right? Yeah. <laughs> Either they're getting wiped out, or they're getting a severe, like... Wow. They're going to get turned on their heads really badly. And who knows? Maybe, you know, out of nowhere, the Mordor pantheon... If there surely is one, it will be blended in there too. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I would add my pantheon, but we're a little too overpowered over here, so. <laughs> <laughs> you got, you got yeah. all these parallel universes just colliding. Yeah. But yeah, we're just going to go ham on it. This is like, Meadow, you would say this is like our project for this year, I guess? Yeah, we're, definitely. There's a lot of research we got to conduct and, you know, put work into, but it should be worth it in the long run, I could see. And we have to get back into D&D. Yes, most definitely. Yeah, and if we ever get around to finishing it, um, maybe we'll like post it on our Instagram or Twitter. Yeah, we'll, def we can de we'll definitely do that. The family tree? Yeah. Oh, yeah, the family yeah. Tree. Yep. You're going to see a lot of connections and correlations between all the, you know, yes. different gods and goddesses of both pantheons. But other than that, that will be concluding this really, 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 really lengthy podcast But informative. Episode. Yes, very informative. So, on that note, like in the Godzilla podcast I did many, many moons ago, if you guys made it here legitimately, no skipping, remember, I am an omniscient angel. I know this stuff. If you made it all the way to the end of this podcast, I now dub the Proficient God of War Scholars. Yes, and again, it must be legitimately that you got here. Yeah, so that's going to be ending up the episode ASAP.
Yep, make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at PCOP Podcast. I repeat, that's at PCO Podcast. And also, make sure to subscribe to Pop Culture Over Pizza on the other following platforms as well. That being Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Breaker, and Radio Public. This has been a joint collab Ambrosia Slice by <laughs> Metatron and me, A Dollar Sign AP Balrog. Thank you so much for joining us today, folks. See you on the next quick slice. Meta? I bid thee adieu. All hail Morgoth, long live Sauron, Balrog out.